0: and welcome back to the Demonland podcast my name is andy and the last time the demons were sitting in first place in a top of the table clash only to lose all four quarters of the match was way back in the first season of the competition 125 years ago joining me tonight to discuss our fall from grace is veteran Demonlander lander george good evening george
1: Good evening Andy, welcome back from Thailand, good evening Binman uh, Bin as well. It's going to be a busy night for us coming up, uh, since uh, according to the Demonland Pundits about 18 of the 22 players need to be dropped this week, so <laughs> we'll discuss that as we go along. Like the, uh, and
0: like the good old days <laughs> of Demonland.
2: Andy. Fall from grace, really? You're leading with fall from grace?
0: (laughs) Well, uh, and my also joining us tonight to discuss how we pick ourselves up off the deck and return to our former glory is B-Man. Good evening, B-Man.
2: Good evening, Andy. Good evening, George. Good evening, Demon Landers. And um, yeah, I can. Uh, we've got video feed now on the podcast, so we can see uh, the MFCSS flaring all over Andy's face. It's it's not a pretty sight. So.
0: You've had video footage uh, all year <laughs> to look at me. Um, it's only flaring now. It's only just returning. <laughs> if you can see the spots all over me, <laughs> yeah,
2: his head's looking like a Sharon.
0: <laughs> That's from the sunburn, but uh, yes, it's. Uh, it's um, yeah, it certainly is uh, coming back in full force, and you'll probably hear it uh, dripping uh, from from me all night tonight because I'm not in a good place in a, in my football uh, supporting way. And you'll hear that as we go along. Uh, Let's get into the match wrap-up. It's not a long one tonight. Uh, Geelong certainly did their homework in preparation for this top-of-the-table clash against the Dees, and it certainly felt like we had come into the match completely unprepared to adjust our own game plan as our opposition executed theirs to perfection and subsequently were, were able to shut us down It has been very evident this year that Geelong have changed their game plan and tactics entirely from their chip and kick and hold possession game. There was a hallmark of their tactics in previous seasons that ultimately failed to take them to the promised land in the past decade. And they're a lot more direct this season. They were prepared to take risks with long kicks through the corridor to gain territory or to switch the ball to the other side of the ground. And the D's simply had no answer for them. And if not for their inaccuracy in front of the big sticks, the end result could have been a lot uglier for the reigning premiers. And I believe that the D's, for their part, possibly lost this game at the selection table by failing to select another tall forward. And yes, neither Weed nor Mitch Brown have impressed in that role and have not provided the foil that Ben Brown needs in order to not be double or triple teamed when we just bob it in high going into this match with Brem Brown as our lone tour forward, when your opponents have De Koning and Blitzarves and Henry, it allowed the Cats to use these players effectively up the ground as well and they were basically able to form a wall across the centre or easily able to intercept many of our forward forays uh, from out of defence. Our only answer for our forward line woes was using Petrarca up forward and as George noted in his match report, uh, this uh, this forces the D's to rob Peter to pay Paul. And sure, Track uh, produced three goals, but it ends up potentially costing us in the midfield where we were smashed in the clearances. 16-8 to eight in centre clearances, 54-36 50, around the ground. And I believe two of Track's goals were from out of the middle anyway, so he only produced the one up forward. Uh, when track isn't in the middle, it made it super easy for the Cats to tag Oliver. And whilst that's no easy task to, to tag him, he, he's good enough to get off the chain. It means there's no Padraka to release it to. And George, as you noted in your match report, it released Guthrie to not have to go head-to-head with one of the best in the competition. And whilst we're all hoping and praying for the quick return of Gordon Jackson from their respective injuries, their output uh, for the match was um, soundly diminished And Max did not take a single mark for the game. Time and time again, he was double teamed uh, up the ground and attempts to mark were spoiled. And this was a tactic employed by the Magpies a few weeks ago. And guess what? Teams are simply not going to allow Max to dominate up the line anymore. We've been worked out and we need to adjust. Uh, kudos to our magnificent back line who was superb in nullifying as best they could the onslaught uh, that was leaking out of the middle. If not for some of the air, their efforts uh, and Geelong's inaccuracy, this very flattering 28-point deficit at the end would have and probably should have been 8-10 to 10 goals. If not more, such was the mauling that we received at the category Cattery. Uh, there's not much more for me to say, George. We'll cover more on the tactics that Geelong employed to nullify the D's uh, and in turn score more easily in our tactics talk section. But, be man, do you have any other general comments you want to make about this match? Uh,
2: yeah, I've got a few. Uh, <laughs>
0: um,
2: look, you know, we—I was really, really, really disappointed. I went down to the Cattery and I was furious, and um, um, you know. I I thought we'd be fresh and we'd really attack this game. Um, We'd be ready to go. We'd be firing on all cylinders. Um, I listened to Goodie's presser and, um, you know, cognizant of the, uh, the, you know, what is it, that lying is the first language of AFL. Yeah. He bristled at the, he seemingly bristled at a question in the Thursday presser or maybe it was the Wednesday presser about about whether um, Gorn was fit and um, Jackson was fit. And of his 100%, you know, we wouldn't play them if they weren't. But then he proceeded to probably, I was going to ask you, has he ever not taken a mark in an AFL game of football?
0: No, no, well, uh, I'm, I'm sure I, I'll have a look while, we're, yeah, okay, while swamped, you're talking. You can do your swap uh, um,
2: thing. Um, and, you know, he was pumping up about um, one versus second and, you know, what a fantastic effort, you know, what a fantastic game. Um, and it didn't look like that right from the get-go. A couple of minutes in that first quarter where we looked uh, like the real Melbourne and, um, you know, but Again, we looked flat. We looked, uh, we were running up, down on the spot. Some of the numbers were remarkable in terms of completely un Melbourne like. One that jumped out for me was um, apparently between the 14 minute mark of the last quarter and the 28 minute mark of the last quarter. Um, we They had an 11 uh, inside 50s to zero in that period of time. That is so un um, Melbourne. Um, you know, we looked fatigued. We're all all of those things we've seen in our other losses, and um, and I think I know the reason why. Um, you know, I, I think I, I know what's going on, and um, I have to make a, an apology to both of you, big Melbourne fans, and all Melbourne fans out there. Uh, it's my fault, so <laughs> I'm, I'm wearing this. Uh, I posted this. I'll read a post that I posted at. 8.34am on the Thursday, very excited about the day ahead, chuffed that I was going to go to the footy and spend $90 to be in a shelter shed. Um, So I'll just read what I posted. I don't believe my actions can have any bearing on how the Ds perform, which is why I'm not worried posting this picture will in any way jinx our chances tonight. Not worried at all, not even a bit. Seemed the appropriate day to post it. It takes pride of place in my TV room and is the first thing I see when I walk in. We had converted the garage into a soundproof TV room with a huge TV, um, perfect because I can watch the footy and not annoy the family or neighbours. Um, I thank Weber for the brilliant, beautiful artwork. It looks incredibly amazing. Uh, and I thank Joe Boy for the stunning framing, and I just love it. It's the picture of um, of Max Gorn being picked up by Viney uh, after, the round, after the prelim thrashing that we handed out to Geelong. And I finally got it up on the wall and I posted the pictures on Demon Land. Now, the tone didn't maybe come across from reading what I said, but uh, to be honest, I am very superstitious and I do believe that um, what I um, do can have an impact on the club. And so I have put a curse on the club. That's clearly the explanation. So I have cursed the club now. I've, I've done some research. It's a variant of the Norm Smith um, curse um, because we want a flag um, where we won't get very sick. So there's some good news and some bad news. Do you want the good news first or the bad news first, Andy?
0: Uh, Well... (laughs) Give me the bad news first.
2: (laughs) The bad news is it it is is a condition. It's a curse. Uh, It's not good. It's caused, I now know it's caused the previous three losses in hindsight somehow, but it's also caused directly this loss. Uh, It's likely to cause the big bad news part of it. It's likely to cause at least another two suboptimal performances. (laughs) But the good news is, the good news is that it is, as I said, it's a variant of the Norm Smith curse, but because we've been inoculated with a flag. Uh, It's only a fairly brief um, um, curse, so I I am predicting that it will lift in two more games and then Friday night, the 29th of July, we go to Optus Stadium and you will see a re-energised Melbourne football club running on top of the ground and we will crush them and not lose another game for the season. So that's the good news. (laughs)
0: First of all, the uh, the the first Norm Smith curse came after six premierships, so th- where was the inoculation there? Second of all, I, I also have the whole curse thing that I always had to do things in a certain way. This was pre-premiership, and in the finals last year, I sort of mixed things up, and I was doing all the things I didn't used to do before, and I've talked about it on the podcast and we ended up winning a premiership and i thought i'd try those things again this year and just throw caution to the wind and as the years gone on i've sort of gone back to my old ways and doing all my ocd things and and look where it's got us at the moment but that on that Weber thing Weber uh he produced this artwork you can go on to demon land you can can find it it. he he sells it He, he gave it he actually sent me a copy um for free and I, I didn't ask for it did he just uh, he asked for my address I gave it to him and I got it too and my wife actually got it uh framed for me and we just re- we received it just prior to our losses so the, 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 so i too i think i arty. think i'm gonna burn this i love it where, where I'm, I, I'm not gonna
2: burn mine <laughs> it's only a short-term bloody curse don't burn it it's magnificent it looks gorgeous it i got number one my print number one because I, I put my hand up first it, it looks magnificent but it's it all you know another two weeks and uh you know things will turn around so um yeah it's a I can't see another logical explanation. So, you know, for me, you know, I'm over um, logic. I think that I'm going to go with my feelings from now on, like so many fans on Demon Land seem to be doing. I feel like we're not doing insert whatever now. But look, to be honest, the numbers are just like the numbers tell this tale about that not being a melbourne game um, the only interest the only number that you would point to that says this is how melbourne play is the um clearances uh, sorry contested possessions mm-hmm. and we beat them into contested possessions by 12 we had i think it was 149 contested possessions and our season average is 148.5 so it's right on our um, contested possession average if we were complacent and not coming into that game with the right mindset then the spot it would show is contested number. I mean, for all footy clubs, you contested balls like the number one, you know, fundamental. It's the fundamental of any game you, uh, you hear any of the coaches talk about. It's number one, the contest. And our contest was okay. But, you know, watching at the ground at half time, the scores were basically level. Um, yeah, I but it didn't thinking, feel
0: like that was on the scoreboard. It didn't feel did like they? it at no, all. No, they we were woeful.
2: Uh, yeah. Like, I mean, the other major stat. There was a number of them, but the you know the inside fifty count. They smashed us inside fifty count. They smashed us again. If you listen to Goodie's presser, what does he highlight? He highlighted the fact that they kept it in their front half, which was a really I've never heard him say that before about an opposition. But his point was was you know that's our go is to keep it in the front half. Now again, you can go through all of the things about well, are we mentally not switched on? Maybe we're complacent. You know yada yada yada, but those numbers tell me a different story. Um, and you know, of course, that doesn't mean that, um, if the curse is lifted, that it's automatically will roll on to a, a flag. But the pattern this year, you know, go to your point before is, um, is this the, the, the round? What is it? The round, what have we got this weekend? Round 18? 18. 18. Round 18 was the game that we played against Hawthorne and Drew. And today on Demon Land, I posted the th- link to that thread, the post game thread. Um, and I linked the, the post game thread for the following week when the dogs beat us. So, for anyone who thinks this is, go back and read those threads, jump on Demon Land and have a look at those threads. All of the commentary in there, literally 90% in both threads, 95% of it, it's the same palaver that's being talked about now, you know, that we're not switched on, goodies beat. Oh, all the stuff you said at the top. Goodies being out coached. We tactically don't do anything, but they've worked us out. Our young players are struggling. I mean, of course, none of that's a guarantee, as I said. But, you know, the fact that it's our percentage is almost identical to what it was last year. Our win-loss ratio is almost identical to what it is last year. Our quarters one is almost identical as it was last year. Someone posted on Demon Land in our losses, that's an incredibly small range of the scores that we've scored during those losses last year and this year. I mean, there's coincidences and there's statistical um, patterns, you know,
0: but for me, I'm a bit upset that we. I think we've beaten the, the 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 bottom teams. We haven't beaten the teams around us. And last year was a bit different. We were losing some of those games to the to the bottom yeah, teams were dropping. But we're not. We were beating the teams that we were. And that's contending because with.
2: we're playing them during the period where we've got the curse happening. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the only difference. We were we played the top teams when we were when the curse wasn't about um, last year. So that's when we beat them. We played. We got beaten by average teams during the curse period last year.
0: He's loading yours for the curse.
2: <laughs> no, no, no! It's the
0: curse. It's it's marble It's the fire. so it's
2: just where you where you, where the the timing of them. Um, we've got you know we talked about it last week. We finished off with four top four contender um, games. Let's judge where we're at. In that game in Perth, and then let's—it's you know, almost of no great value to determine to make a decision about where Melbourne's at on that performance because we couldn't run past our
1: shadow. Uh,
0: all right. Well, let's go. I- all right, Georgie, you. you-
1: well, that I've, I've, just, I've, just, I've just found out that this podcast has got two voodoo doctors working for us, <laughs> um, so so I'll, I'll give a couple of basic facts for a start that might encourage our listeners. Firstly, um, I think Geelong have shown their hand to a certain extent Uh pre-finals, we now know exactly how they're going to play coming into the finals uh, period, which I think will be advantageous to us, because at some point I suspect we're going to come up against us. And the second thing is um, the finals aren't played down at Moggy Dishu, as one of our uh, Demon Landers uh, named it recently. Um, uh, Binman can attest to the fact that it's pretty close to the uh, African version, uh, given what he saw in the, in the stand in any case. We'll talk about tactics later on, but at the end of the day, we were beaten by a better side on the night. There is no question yeah, that, and yeah. and we were well coached. A, well coached, we were actually out coached in this game, um, and we were still within a kick halfway through the last quarter. I think that's that's encouraging. If we, if Pickett had managed to nail that shot of uh, on goal where he hit the post at about the 15 minute mark, that would have almost destroyed Geelong. Because we would yeah, have been um, back in the game, uh, uh, the psychological effects would have come into it. But maybe, we were, maybe, maybe yeah. See, but yeah. Um, there, there's lots of things we'll talk about in the tactics session. But they they were uh, definitely the better side. So um, uh, I I think that's a. good Point
2: a good point, well made, and my feeling walking away from the ground was is that yeah, you might well be right, but I couldn't have seen us um, overrunning them. Like I said, from the 14 minutes, basically they kept the ball in their forward half for a half a quarter, over a yeah. half a quarter of yeah, footy. 15 minutes. We couldn't yeah. get it out of, which is remarkable. Um, and that could have been a 10 goal loss easily. Yes. I mean, yeah. they had how many? When is the last time we gave up that many scoring shots? Well, probably free home, probably not that long ago, but you know that was incredible watching it. So it wasn't just a twenty nine point. It wasn't one of those games where the the scoreboard the scoreboard flattered us which is often mm. the opposite way. They were, I agree with what you're saying, they were well coached. They um, played great. Um, they had the best players uh, on the ground. Um, you know, they've got some terrific players. I really like Tui Duncan, who was just left to do to his own devices. You know, he played well. They. You know, it's a remarkable to think if you look at the numbers from that game from score, um, goal kickers, is that um, Cameron and Hawkins basically had no influence on that game yep. apart from, you know, structural... And, mm. And those sorts of things. Yet they still flogged us on the scoreboard. So, um, you know, there's a question from Doug Reamer in the in the thread on Demonland about the podcast about whether the five-day break in the Adelaide um, game could have flattened us or been a factor, they came off a
0: five-day yeah, I was going to say, too, they had a five-day break too, yeah. But
2: they played north, north, and <laughs> yeah. won by 120 <laughs> Sorry, points. And we had a genuinely no, we had nine a genuinely day physical game, didn't we? Yeah, so yeah. they had a nine-day break, no, no, break? No, no, no,
0: <laughs> they had five. five but, yeah. yeah, for nine-day nine, <laughs> you know,
2: amazingly um, the Crows are number one for pressure or something or second, Mm. second in the AFL for pressure, really high up on tackle count. I think they're at top of the ladder for tackles. That was a genuinely physically tough game against Adelaide. So, you know, who knows but we definitely looked flat Um, you saw that from the get go I was at half time two points of difference I was thinking we're not going to win this game at that point which is a really rare for me to think that um, during the game of footy that early in the game I I was thinking this is this is not going to end well
0: uh, tonight uh, on Tactics Talk, George, uh, you'll first talk about tactics employed by the Cats uh, to defeat us, and then our kicking strategy, which has also been a hotly debated topic on Land. So take it away, George.
1: Yeah, this might be a bit long, so um, I'm, I'll need to call on Binman because he was actually at the game. I only had the privilege of watching it on the television and uh, listening to the uh, commentators who we won't commentate about. Um, <coughs> uh, I, I was told uh, Geelong had an extra one at the stoppage, Binman, was that what you saw, and and we had our usual extra in the back line.
2: Yeah, well, um, yeah, but they often, they generally play an extra up. But, um, yep. but yeah,
1: yeah, they did. Yep. Well, no, the, sorry, the, that's not true. They don't always, but they did in this game. Yeah, and for us, the difficulty was um, that's what we normally do, that's what they normally do. The trouble was that we lost the stoppages. So having their, having the extra man around the stoppages provided them lots of opportunities that um, we obviously didn't get. The other thing that really stood out to me was the way that Geelong changed. You know, last year you remember the Geelong basically were a kick and chip type, type uh, slow moving possession type uh, uh, team. This year, uh, this year they're employing uh, really long drives through the corridor, um, uh, which had the effect of eliminating our strength on the wings, for example, and utilising the advantages of. Um, of uh, Cadenia Park, you know, just keep it away from, from Langdon and, and, uh, other, and others down the wings. Great idea. Um, it also meant that they kicked it over our first defensive line. Um, normally we'd have the small forwards, the Neil Bullens, the um, uh, Pickets, the um, Bedfords occasionally, um, putting in that first defensive line. Well, the ball went straight over their heads. They were never involved in it. So our first line of defence was just completely removed. Further on, they they moved Cameron up the ground a long way. He was playing up in the centre. Now he was used as a target, but also he's got a really decent kick on him. And the 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 times that he was able to get the ball, he actually kicked over our second intercept line. You know, the Lever, um, uh, Salem, Bowie, Brayshaw type half back line, um, which completely op- opened it us. Opens this it up. It wasn't expected. It was just a, simply a great. Uh, coaching move on on, um, on Scott's behalf from that. Uh, the third thing w- um, that stood out to me in terms of tactics was um, the use of their back line, the tools. We really, um, in the absence of that second tall, we really struggled. De Koenig, Henry and B. Clabs were just too tall for um, too many options uh, when we've only got Ben Brown in there. They just had a party. They had 16 marks between them all of which were intercepts. And then there's this other bloke called Tui. He had another seven intercepts. You know, So they were doing a job on us like we normally do on all the other teams. But it, you're not going to improve on that situation when you've got one tall in the forward line. It just doesn't work. And uh, we'll talk about who, who needs to come in next week. But I think the answer is going to be pretty obvious uh, given the results that came out of this game. Um. The last thing was the kicking strategy. I've, I've put some posts up on Demon Land about this. People get really, really frustrated watching Stephen May kick it um, down the wing towards the, the rucks um, week, uh, week in, week out, every time during the game. And it's quite simple uh, what they're trying to achieve. This is all about percentages. And I've said it's about money ball, it's about percentages. When the ball's 70 metres from the goal line, the opposition can't score, right? The opposition, if it goes to the rucks most of the time, probably 80% of the time, it creates a stoppage. A, a stoppage, And guess who wins most of the stoppages? We do. We didn't in this game, but that's what we're aiming to do. It's not about trying to attack. It's about trying to defend. It's creating the best opportunities for the defenders. Probably about 10% of the time, we'll mark the ball. Great, it goes into attack. 10% of the time, they mark the ball. Great, it comes back, but they're two kicks away from it. From getting getting a scoring opportunity, so you're going to get frustrated by it. It's the same as when we watch people kick into the pocket all the time instead of at the top of the goal square. It's all about percentages, and as in money ball, um, the line used there was um, he gets on base. Um, that's why you choose all these uh, what look like mediocre tactics. It produces results more than more than not. I'm reminded of um, I think it was the Sydney Premiership. In 2012, I think it was it, um, where they had a bloke named uh, Mike Pike as their ruck. Now, Mike Pike would be one of the wouldn't be in the echelons of, of the greatest rucks in the, in the world, but he was told basically, do not hit the ball out, bring it to ground because we've got better stoppage players, and they won the premiership on the back of that sort of tactic. It's all about best percentages, and our kick act tactics are exactly the same sort of thing: best tactic, best um, strategies. Um. Final thing was, um, tactically, we tried to replace our our hole that's uh, in the forward line with Petrarca. I don't think that worked, uh, particularly against three talls. Uh, Petrarca lined up against B-claps a couple of times, so he's giving away height to him at the very best. Uh, two of two of his three goals came from when he was playing in the middle as well. I think we we're robbing Peter to play Paul. Um, Petrarca only got two clearances for the whole game. It's um, we can't afford to have that sort of quality missing from the middle of the field, and it puts in second-rate players into the middle of the in the middle of the field. And when you're coming up against a first first-rate midfield, that's not exactly what you want, and it's unfortunately what exactly what we got. So.
0: Uh, B man you you wanted to interject something some
2: uh, yeah oh, just a couple of it. the um uh, the the other tactical thing was um or oh, just the first comment was you're right about Cameron and at the grand you could see that he was almost playing a um like a decoy role a lot of the time. He was running so high up the ground. I would love to know his, you know, his percentage of actually being inside fifty. I suspect it would be only thirty percent of that match. He was at maybe less because he was he played so high up the ground and um, um, was really spreading like the. Um, so that I, you know, I think you, they play that game. Um, ground smart one of the things with live to see it really is incredibly noticeable how narrower it is um and and that's a really interesting you know it can't be great for their preparation for playing finals footy um but the other tactical thing george was the way they played max and to have no marks in a game of footy and to have the way that they um the um that managed that to have, you know, basically took every opportunity to smash him, but to have someone front and center of that contest all the time. It was, you know, it was commented on a fair bit by different um, people. Um, that tactic. One of the curious things from a tactical perspective, and I'm, I'm, I'm really interested in this. I said last week about Brisbane's performance against Melbourne is that potentially given maybe they thought that you know. Brisbane thought, well, we will load up heavily for this game because we're no better than a 60-40 chance of winning, beating Melbourne at home. (laughs) Um, So if we are going to keep going hard on the – sorry, of cursing, (laughs) we are going to keep going hard, we might as well do it for this game. Maybe similar thought process was for Melbourne. We're no better than a 50-50 chance because they play that ground so super well. Um, So maybe that that was a factor, whatever the case, the – you know, we, whatever the cause of it, whether it's a curse or some other more more um, technical reason, then, you know, the, the fatigue was evident, whether it was a five-day break or, or at all. But one of the real interesting things I find tactically is Goodwin, the way he didn't respond to anything. Mm. Um, and partly that, the kick-in, people on that thread, I read a little bit of it, but they get frustrated. Can't we change something up? Can't we do something? And for me, it's it's there's two bits to that is that he plays a real dead bat um, all the time, but he's a lot more innovative than what people um, give him credit for, I think. So, but he keeps his tactical powder dry during the season. Um, and he, in a way, he just let the team respond. He didn't respond at all to that tactic that they did with Gorn. Now they avoided kicking to Gorn um, as much as possible, which makes sense. Partly, you're right. That's an interesting thing about that ground. You could probably do that better. You can you can get away with it a bit more, um, and. But they never counted the person in front, which it was an easy strategic thing to do. But he elects not to a lot, I think. Um, you know, but come the finals, he will tactically make some changes. He kept Jackson in the ruck longer, for instance, than he otherwise would have. Um, the other, um, the other thing about that is it's very similar to our round nineteen game against the Dogs last year, where we they brought two extra to the stoppage and tag Lever um, Beverage in that match, to which. Goodwin made no response whatsoever, um, and I have a feeling we would have he would have increased our chances of winning in that game against the Cats if he tactically responded to some of the things that you said that they did tactically. But it's almost like he plays a dead bat because you know he, he doesn't want to show any of his cards at this point of the season. So you know if they do that again, well, you know we've got we, we've got that in our knowledge bank, don't we? Is this is one of the things the Cats will look to do to limit our um, um, dominance um, or the limit the way we like to play? Now there's all sorts of ways he could have done that because if it was about limiting Gorn, then Gorn can just drop back and they bring someone else up to the contest. Or there's they Langdon talked. about about that there's multiple ways if they're tagging someone that they can use that to their advantage. They can move that tag around the ground, for instance. Um, you know, so I thought that that just the, the non-response from Goody um, is tactically really interesting, and I, I thought it was. I have no doubt whatsoever, 100%, that we will go into the finals with three tools, the same sort of setup, and it'll be ultimately it'll be likely to be weed unless Van Ruyen, uh, you know, I still have this thought, we'll talk about him later, but um, that they might bring him in closer to the finals perhaps as an X-Factor type player. (laughs) Um, But I, I suspect really strongly they'll go with the three forwards. And in a way it was curious because they didn't in this match yet didn't change anything tactically. So exactly like you're saying, George, about that's the way we play is that kick to the side. It's One, it's predictable, it's percentages, but it's predicated and it works because we have two going for that ball normally. We normally have Gorn and one of T-Mac and Brown. Now, Brown was – did that in the first half, kept us in the game. I thought he played a great first half, but he was the man going up to that contest and being the the, um, second tall. And he was shagged in the, the second half. He couldn't get to as many contests. But yet despite him being shagged and despite the fact that um, um, Gorn or Jackson, I think Jackson only had one mark, didn't he? So between our two Ruckmans, we had one mark between two fellas over six foot five. It's an incredible stat. Despite that, no tactical change whatsoever. Um, And it's like, you know, it's because to do so, puts a query in, well, gives the opposition coach some ammunition about how we might respond to a a certain situation. But it also means it breaks down his fundamental philosophy of repetition, is that the, the plan is absolute. Is this is what you do? And so, in the moment in a grand final when you have to make an instinctive decision that's beyond thinking, almost it's yeah. All of those matches, those, those hundreds of matches under his um, under his coaching, that's what your you, you know, your muscle memory goes back to them. So there's no thinking about it; it's just what you do. And, yeah, but that's yeah, if you that's this- if
0: that's if you're winning. But if you're losing, like we were in this game, and you haven't practiced what you're going to do to change things up when things are going to shit. What's going no, to happen in the finals so if that's the... What's your
2: theory why he didn't tactically respond? Well, I don't
0: know. I, I'm hoping you're right and he's he's holding his cards close to his chest for finals, but I'm worried that we're going to be in such a... have such a bad hand going into the back half of the, these last six why? games that, that we're not going to... And we're not going to be able to... Yeah, we're second in three weeks' time. We've got hard games coming up. You'll hear in a second if my improve
2: I'm We've not, got hard really games coming up. They're all hard games coming up. I know.
0: Well if we're not prepared to show our hand and we, or practice what's going to happen when the shit hits the fan in a game, then how are going to practice what's going to happen? You
2: well, know, it's moving. a bit like George's comment about probability is say what is the cost – benefit of going something radically different tactically in this game to, you know, to shake out a result from the tree when, you know, going into it, probably they would know the condition the players were in. I thought it was telling that Goody's press conference went for four minutes and 28 seconds or something. (laughs) Like, it was, it was a game for which didn't live up to the hype of a blockbuster thing in any element the way we, you know, it was so evident when we got to the ground. I could feel it. I was like, oh, no, this is not what I was hoping for, you know. But I think there's a risk of tactically responding because, you know, your payday is in, in September. It's not in bloody the, down the cold night down at Geelong.
0: Well, I hope we're not going to be shunted off to to, to <laughs> Sydney for a game. Well, hopefully we don't play a prelim down there or something. <laughs> they could see. Who knows? the AFL, Every year, Geelong, why can't we play a game, a home
1: game? <laughs>
0: yeah. And they're going to awesome. finish first now, so we don't want to finish fourth. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there's, I think there's also a limit on what you can tactically do in a game. In any yeah. case, people yeah. overstate this. Tactics are about planning and preparation. Yeah. mainly before the game. You've got to get a message out to 18 guys on the field to change something that they've been training for. Yeah, exactly. Um, Particularly might, our team that's yeah, got no be, practice doing yeah. that. You might change an individual player's position on the ground or something like that, but tactically I don't think you can do a great deal during the game. It, it, it just yeah. requires too much.
2: Particularly, as I say, the way he's drilled our team, yeah. the Cats probably, because remember I talked a few weeks ago about the two different types of coaches, <laughs> Scott being the example of the of one and Goody being at the other end of the spectrum system, system, system. Well, you saw that exactly that difference on the Thursday night. And I think it's well worth reinforcing your point or reiterating your point, George, is they played great. They were coached well. They had a plan. They executed that plan. Um, And, you know, I, I, I really like their model. Is improved in terms of they're getting territory. Even their short kicks are going forward, not mm. lateral. That's the thing. Um, they definitely played that ground well, when they use the corridor, which is you know better than other teams have um, against us. And um, uh, yeah, I thought they were terrific, actually.
0: All right, let's go into our positives. Uh, mine uh, doesn't really need much discussion, but the opposition inaccuracy flattered us and kept our percentage above 130. Uh, for once, it was our opposition that had trouble converting and thank goodness for that. Otherwise, the damage inflicted upon our percentage would have it would have absolutely taken a hammering. <laughs> we probably should have been three goals down at halftime, as I said, perhaps five at three-quarter time. And despite getting to win five points during the last three, we really should have lost that game by eight to ten goals had they kicked straight uh, rather than the five that we did. Uh, there's no really need to discuss it with... Disgusted to death. Uh, George, you wanted to your positive, our defenders and uh, finals not being played out at Moggy Dishu, as you uh, <laughs> coined it now.
1: Yeah, uh, look, I, you've really got to give credit to the defenders this week. You know, I, I have never seen anything like, while Geelong had it basically wrapped into their, in their forward half in the last 15 minutes of that game, um, and also they had it uh, for long periods of time earlier on. The defenders did an absolutely fantastic job. Any other team would have would have lost that game by 15 goals sort of thing. The, the ball just kept on coming in there time and time and time again. They kept keeping it out. It was only in that last last little bit that um, you know, the dam wall finally broke. But, yeah, we were seven points down, or was it le- less than that? Five, five. points down. Five points mm. down halfway through that last quarter. We didn't deserve to be there by any stretch of the imagination. The forwards weren't doing the job. Yeah. It was the defenders were stopping them scoring. When you get people like Hawkins, I think had one goal for the game and I don't think Cameron scored was no. was was mm. that correct? Yep. Yeah, you, know, you look at those numbers and if before the game you'd said, Oh, that's gonna be the outcome at the end of the game, you'd take it. All their goals came from their, you know, chancy Running forwards, people like Rowan looked fantastic during the game. But um, the defenders did their job really, really well overall, considering the onslaught that was coming on up the ground and the lack lack of input that was coming from the mids. Unfortunately, yeah. so um, all credit to them. And you know, we say it again: the finals aren't held down there. It's going to be a different sort of game. What they, the way they play down there, um, benefits them greatly. They take full advantage, than they did in this game. Um, but it's it's not going to happen again for them. Um, mm. they'll, they'll get mm. they'll get on a high in the next couple of weeks. I think they got three more games down there or something ridiculous before the season finish. They'll think they're the world beaters. But once they move them out to the uh, MCG or other bigger grounds, it'll be a completely different story for them. The question yeah. is, is it going to hold up for them in that scenario? Perhaps not. And those older legs, the older legs fact uh, that uh, will come into play yet again.
2: It's interesting with the, the as I said, like it's really you don't get a feel for how narrow it is until you view it. And I'd that's the first time I've been to Cadinia Park where I've sat up high in a stand. I've always sat previously down on the in standing or um so, you know, near ground level and at ground level you don't get the same sense of how narrow it is and the, they obviously, for that kick out from May to that people hate <laughs> the left hand side to Gorn, is they obviously reference the boundary line as the point from how far to come in, and but when they kicked her at the MCG, that's that that spot that he kicks to is sort of in between the boundary and the the centre square at Cadinia yeah. Park was pretty much on the edge of the centre square they were kicking, so if it goes slightly. As they're kicking towards the city and slightly to the right, they're in the corridor. So it's like really, really compressed. And I thought it's an interesting point you made about the way that they got over the top. They did that cleverly in terms of their ability to use the the, the width of the ground. The other thing, just as from a, another thought about the game, actually, while I think of it, is I read a, re, a report about it that you know raved about the game. What a great game did a dirt. It was a shocking standard game of footy. Like I'm not sure. I mean, obviously, it came across on the telly, but down there, Cats fans were going bananas because they kept on turning the ball over. They they seriously could have torched us because they missed so many opportunities. They missed a whole bunch of free players um, going inside fifty. A bunch of times where they just miskicked. kicked. Um, our kicking was terrible as well. Our field kicking, but particularly in the first half, they, they, they were their kicking was as poor as ours.
0: Just talking about. Poor kicking, and it's not down as an improvement for any of us. And B man, we've still got your positive to come. But what's happened to um, Stephen May's? Kicking, he used to be a pretty good kick, and he can't hit the side of a bar when he's going in a short, short pass. And it wasn't just this week; it's the last few weeks. So curse, <coughs> yeah, <coughs> curse, curse! <coughs> we can't blame everything on the curse. You can maybe blame it, maybe blame it on a dodgy meal at Entrecote, well, except for
2: the the curse can affect all aspects. Of, you know, if you've got a, he's got a sketchy technique, and so the curse strikes people with um, um sketchy technique. He's always hit and miss. He's either, like, he's a beautiful kick when he gets onto it, but he's always been a player that um, his turnovers are huge often. Mm. they Like, he'll miss the um, target by miles, but he, he's been pretty average kicking-wise in the last yeah. couple of weeks, that's uh, for sure.
0: Well, definitely last few weeks. I just maybe was always viewing him with some rose-coloured glasses.
1: Yeah. <laughs> And that's why you want him kicking long down the line. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You don't long want him kicking around. <laughs> yeah, when the other one in this game
2: from a kicking point of view is bloody Salem. I mean, yeah, Salem what's had happened a to him, couple yeah. of clangers that were <laughs> cut <attacked. laughs> But he, he is not really. His kicking hasn't been.
0: No, he's not best, himself, even, even this no. year. I mean, he's played some good footy since he's come back, but yeah, not his same silky self. Uh no. man you wanted to talk about uh, the form of some of our um, our twos players, uh, which we'll, we'll sort of maybe talk about a bit later on, but if you want to touch on it now.
2: Yeah, just a positive from I, I only could watch the first quarter and the first – Bit of the second quarter um, of the Casey game. So I'm, I'm sure if you can – can you watch the replays uh, of it? Cause uh, I'm, I'm
0: pretty can, sure you, you can. You get through.
2: them. Yeah, so I watched that last quarter because apparently it was terrific. But I read Casey um, uh, from Casey's review, which was terrific, and, um, and I saw a few clips as well. Um, I thought a, a real positive was um, the form in that game of um, – of Rivers. Uh, it was great to see him uh, in one of the best, Van Ruin, uh, And the big one for me was Laurie, 29 possessions yeah. and three goals. Mm. Um, he, in that first quarter, he looked like he was making good decisions. I picked those three because sort of that, that sort of picking up that thread that George has talked about a few times about the query over the players coming up from the, you know, the Magoos, whether, what sort of pressure are they, what's that next level? Um, and Laurie had a bit of a question mark, but he's he's starting to sort of come into himself a little bit, and that was his most complete performance from mm. what I gather. I didn't see the whole thing, but apparently he was quite influential on the result. Um, Van Ruin, um, people raving about his contest, and, um, you know, on the back of that calling for his introduction, we'll get to that um, at no at, at some point, no doubt. Um, and Rivers, you know, I'm really pleased to see Rivers' um sort of having a better week cuz you know, hit at his best. I love him back in the team. Um, so, and also just the other thing, he's not one of the young players. So I picked those because there is a real positive to have three young players playing well. But um, at least what I saw in that first quarter, I thought Hunt was really terrific in that first quarter. So um, it's good to have players um, making a case from underneath um, and it, particularly of those young ones.
0: We'll, we'll talk more about them uh, shortly when we talk about Casey and then in turn uh, in the ins and outs because uh, I guess they've made a case that they you know, put their hand up. So we'll talk about them shortly. Let's go to improvements. And uh, for me, I think we need to make some changes, whether it's personnel uh, or game plan. We can't ride out the 2021 wave. Uh, and this is where I'll get into it. We have not beaten anyone of note this season. And, be man you don't want to hear about it. Talk what curses. about the lions? Do they not? Uh, care? I'll get to them in a second, but right. per- perhaps this is panic stations. Uh, but I don't have any confidence in our game plan. And wait, but by the lions, didn't you say they didn't even try against us? And we'll get <laughs> to that in a minute. Yeah, right. uh, we've continued He's to work through this, George. <laughs> <laughs> We, we've continued to employ uh, the, you know, the strategies of last year, this year, based on be so, being so effective last season. And I think there's been a combination of teams working us out and the strategy is just not working for us in the same way that it did last year. And that might be because of form, personnel issues, it might be your loading, whatever. I think we need to change things up. Change things up. We can't play Ben Brown one out in the forward line. If Weed and Mitch Brown aren't the answer, and I fear that they're not, then let's pull the pin early and bring Van Ruin uh, uh, and get him into the team. Mac may or may not be back for finals, but if we continue upon the trajectory, trajectory that we're currently on, we're just going to limp into finals and get bundled straight out. That's my hot tip. You may say that's my MFCSS that's come back with a vengeance. But I look at our record this season and I'm not instilled with much confidence. Now, I don't want to sound like opposition naysayers on social media, bleating that we haven't beaten anyone this season. But we haven't beaten anyone this season. Now, we've we've successfully beaten all the teams outside the top eight. The bottom ten have held no fear for us this year. We beat the Bulldogs and Port while they were down. The Gold Coast before, they've they've found their recent form. The Saints who haven't really shone this year, they've been up and down. Of the teams in the eight, we've only beaten two of the remaining seven and are yet to play one of them. The Tigers have been hit and miss this season. The Lions are struggling as mo- at the moment, just like we are. And B man, as you said, they they might not have even been trying against us. So you know we've got a tough run home too. We're playing we're playing the more informed Port than the Bulldogs. Uh, it could be a wild card, and I'm sure they want to deal us a blow if they can't make the finals. They want to stuff up our chances in top four or wherever we end up. Freeo in Perth, Collingwood, Carlton, and finally the Lions at the Gabba. We have a lot to prove and a lot of improvement if we seriously think we are a team to contend and attempt back to back. And I think we're at the moment, we're a long way off from that. And whatever might be excuses, loading, curses. (laughs) Not trying, not sake, not showing a, a hand, but I'm not happy. We're
2: second on the ladder with the percentage no, higher than last year. we have not beaten Doesn't anyone. Matter. Look at the we, we lost to Frio.
0: We lost to Sydney. We, we've lost to Collingwood. We've lost to Geelong. All these these are all Essendon the contenders. Beat Sydney. <laughs> Essendon beats yeah. Sydney. they can't be a good team. Well, then, then so not, you, and then we lost to it, makes it worse.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so I mean. Jeez, you're channelling all the other Demon fans out there. I know. uh, (laughs) This is what this team does to us. I'm not right. It's the curse. The curse is bad. But just pull you up on something. And I'm surprised more people haven't made comment about this because it comes up like a... um, like the mushrooms in my lawn are coming up at the moment with all this rain is that Goody's got no tactical tricks is coming up again and we're doing nothing. We we haven't changed anything this year. It's the same. I think you just said words to that effect in that, that rant just then Andy, the, but two things we've got, Quite a big tactical change having the way we play Gus. That's quite a significant change to our system and our structure, the way he plays that floating halfback intercept role. And
0: he's been great and if we didn't have him, we'd be fucked.
2: (laughs) So that's a pretty – so there was no bringing him back to the wing and I don't think, you know, there's um, – Derry, I think Derry um, or someone else in the thread, maybe Doug Remer, talks about would he go back to the centre maybe as one of the options. They'll keep him back there. So that's a big tactical. But the other big one is from the Lions game, and it happened in this game and it happened in last week, is our handballing. Our handballing has changed, and we're handballing deliberately forward to create a out into space and going forward in a it's a noticeable change that he is experimenting with right now. We can see it, and our, I think we had something like fifteen handballs more than Geelong. And when we saw it, you could see they weren't they're not those little flicky ones around the pack that the dogs do. They're long and over the the thing. They're, mo- they're almost like a kick in the same thing, but the same principle of getting territory. So they're handballing forward into space and trying to run onto that. Hard to do on a, such a narrow ground. But that, that is another quite um, big tactical shift. They're using Jackson more in the ruck. Um, that's another tactical shift. Um, so, you know, it's not as if he's not doing things or, or trying new things.
0: Um, all right, my answer are <laughs> over. Um, uh, 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 George, you wanted to, your improvement, uh, the rucks.
1: Yeah, the, the rucks... I, look, I, I don't know. I don't think Gorn and uh, Jackson were completely fit this week uh, at the end of the despite day. Despite Goody saying that. Despite, despite <laughs> he wouldn't play if they weren't. Yeah, we'll call it out now. He, 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 was, he was telling a white lie. He uh, was less than truthful. Let's put less that Less than truthful. Okay. Um, yeah, the, when, when you've got um, Max Gorn with, what was it? One, uh, one mark you know? for the whole... Zero marks for the whole game. and Just, just,
0: uh, just on to that, uh, he, in his second year, he had three games where he had zero marks. Other than that, there's only been one other game in 2018 against Adelaide, which we won. I can't remember the game, but mm. we won a game and he, only, he had no marks.
1: Yeah, it, it wasn't just um, no marks. Jackson had, had one for the whole game as well. More importantly, um, uh, both Jackson and Gorn had zero possessions in the last quarter. Hmm. Jackson had, Jackson had zero possessions in the last half. Wow. Yeah. Right. So that's a serious curse. Yes. That's a serious curse. It's the million
0: bucks a year curse.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, everybody knows the input that these two guys have had. You've only got to look at the grand final from last year and the whole final series when these guys are missing effectively for half a game um, that really affects the team. So, um hopefully they can overcome those injuries that they've had um to to produce a better performance this week the situation was compounded even further by like we talked about the the lack of that extra tall forward where we've moved Petrarca out of the middle as well we're not he had two clearances for the whole game um so you've got rucks that weren't performing you've got your Second best or best midfielder um, not performing all at the same time. So there's the opportunities for um, a big improvement in the mids. I'm not really pleased about when they when you move people like Petrarca out and you move harms in harm. Um, Harms is not a midfielder. They tried this earlier in the in the year. He's good around the stoppages around the ground, but he loses his opponent really quickly when it's sort of one-on-one in the middle. Um, had lots of possessions in the first half, in the first quarter in particular, and I reckon turned over half of them. He's he's just not what we need in the middle. Um, but the problem is because we've moved Petrarca up to try and create a, something up forward, we've got to fill it with something. But uh, I think there are other options that might be available. We'll talk about those in the ends coming uh, later in the podcast. You make
2: an interesting point with um, the Gorn and Jackson's basically no influence um, on the game, particularly in the second half, goes back to that structural thing, because them having an ability to clunk the mark, or at least if they're not going to mark, directed forward so that's they were clever the way they did that because they they look to do that so it lands in a predictable place as someone posted on demon lamp it's predictable to us it might have been andy it's probably andy in and one of his other avatars <laughs> it's like he's one that he's got the crazy andy on there but uh the, um is if it's predictable to us it's predictable to them but uh, they, they just let that they didn't respond ta- could he didn't respond tactically but if you don't have an influential well, Jackson and Gorn, you know, our ability, like our system, our method um, struggles. And as I said, we continued to do it. We didn't look to go short. We didn't look to sort of find a way around that. It was clearly instructions stick to the game plan, fellas, despite the fact that their influence were, was down. So, um, yeah, it was interesting watching Gornie. He, 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 Neither of them looked fit or like not injured. They both looked, and Gordon looked um, pretty ropeable at the end too, and sort of frustrated actually. And um, yeah, it was it was interesting for that for it, it, interesting where I was sitting because you could see right down below into where they all were, and yeah, there was a bit of angst for, not angst, but they none of them looked super up and about and energized. That's for sure.
0: Speaking of curses, I've just realised that that jumper hasn't done us any favours this year. I actually like the yes. design of it, it's grown on me, but we haven't had it's much success. We, we lost Langdon, we lost T Mac, um, and Langdon hadn't been the same until, uh, up until last week or whatever. But um, yeah, it's really been a bit of a curse, that jumper to us. Uh, we lost so, to Frio and now Geelong.
1: So, yeah, so, I, the, so the jumper's to blame, not Binman. Now, uh, well, it's, nah, all I mean, it's, like,
2: it's all part of the curse. It's all part of the curse. Wow. Okay. Um, my improvement is. Oh the, well, I was
0: going to say, uh, Man, you had TBC as your improvement, uh, yeah, oh, but it's just come to my mind it, now. Is it call a witch doctor <laughs> to get rid of it?
2: My improvement is is uh, 2 One is that it's. I, uh, we talked about this early in the year. I find it ironic that um. You know, everyone's, you know, everyone's, we made T Mac back and some of the same people who were wanting him to be gone. You
0: know, um, I I want him back. I don't want him gone. I think we need him.
2: It it is that, that second tall forward in the, you know, so that's a, a big question. But my other improvement is, is the Cats fans really need to do some work on their on their one their sledges and two their crit- critique of the umpires? Like, so this young fella all day behind me was yelling all night, was yelling about Max Gorn. You're a handbag. I don't even know. <laughs> are they the handbaggers? And, yeah, I was trying to clarify what the hell he was talking about. Like Max didn't give me one single opportunity to make some sort of witty remark because he didn't have any impact and <laughs> take a mark. So I wasn't quite. Sure, what he was getting, but the other one was I could not believe this. Um, uh, they were booing that free kick to Oliver for kicking in danger, and I I just almost lost this. What are you talking about? Like, people are booing, like, the decision he broke his hand, like, on the replay, it was clearly you could see that, like, they were booing because the implication from the booing was that he was milking it, I assume, because he was shaking his hand like crazy afterwards. Um, and he got the, uh, and then they were booing. Clary, afterwards still. <laughs> like... Your bloody captain's just broken our best player's hand. Um, and he's in question or you know, whether he gets up. Hopefully he does because, as I, I said know. last week, it's 90 – what was it, 96 consecutive games and, It's
0: more than that, yeah.
2: 127 consecutive for Oliver. No, no, 96 games that Petrarca and Oliver have played oh, together. Oh, yeah, right. So it'll be the 97th, the one on the cat, so it's 98th next week. So, yeah, um, and it's. Yeah, uh, it would and be, it's
0: uh, Petrarca is 99 consecutive games as, as well.
1: Mm. I'd be spewing if Oliver doesn't get up. So yeah. we'll and talk ben about man, that do, soon. Ben, man, you do need to remember that. Uh, remember when Jeff White had his face kicked in down at down in July the by their ruck? right. wasn't in the final. Uh, uh, yeah, was it but but he was he was blamed because he got his face in the road <laughs> yeah. in a ruck contest. So the Cats fans haven't learned from anything.
0: Um, all right, let's move on to to Casey. It was a tale of two halves, uh, but a, a, out of a, out of regular order. As uh, Casey dominated the first quarter with six goals to nil before going goalless in the next two quarters and coughing up their lead before piling on. Five goals to two in the last quarter and taking out the win by 11 points and remaining undefeated and still sitting atop the VFL ladder uh, with six rounds to go. Bailey Laurie, as we've discussed, had 29 disposals and kicked three goals. Van Ruyen and Wiedemann kicked two goals each, while Dunstan had 29 disposals and Trent Rivers had 20. Uh, it sounds like, George, you watched more of it than Bin Man, so I'll go to you, uh, who impressed you this week. Um it was it was an interesting
1: days. it was an interesting game because it was the uh, traditional old style winter game of football. Mm-hmm. It was five degrees down there, and it rained and it rained in a big way. Didn't quite start uh, in the first quarter, but it certainly bucketed down from the second and third. Eased up a bit in the last, but um, yeah. So I, I'm, I'm, it never ceases to amaze me players who don't adapt their game style in, in the wet. They keep trying to pick the ball up when all they need to do is kick it <laughs> off the ground. But Casey got off to a ripper start. They had a 34-point lead at the end of the first quarter. Um, Geelong were just, just completely all at sea. They couldn't bring any anything. Um, then Geelong, once the, the rain started coming, in, coming down, they're obviously a bit more used to it down there than we were. They kicked eight goals in a row unanswered so um they well and truly came back in the um second and third quarters and then like i said it eased off a little bit in the in the last quarter and and casey seemed to get their act together and uh came good again uh for me uh Laurie was outstanding he he was able to just cut through the middle of packs of players um something that um he's been showing glimpses of in the past. And while I've often wondered um, who, who is he going to replace, um, uh, we might have a couple of answers this week if Oliver doesn't come up and questions are raised about other players and their roles. But he certainly played well enough to warrant a, a, um, uh, a selection
0: where where would you where would you play him? Um, would you play him in the half forward and maybe give him some minutes in the
1: middle? It, it, it's hard to it's hard to say. He's certainly been playing pretty well all his time in the middle um, mm. uh, around the packs um, at the VFL level. Um, but, so
0: but, but AFL level is a bit different, and he's a smaller yeah, body. Absolutely,
1: absolutely, But you know, if Oliver doesn't come up this week, yes. there's that possibility, and um, you know, Sparrow Sparrow didn't put in a great game. Um, Bedford was pretty ordinary during this game. You know, it creates those opportunities yeah. for that sort of sort of player. Um, but yeah, he was so brilliant. Ju- I was just going to say,
2: George, the the small forward is a particular role. It's not like he can just drop yeah. someone in who happens to be small and 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 like I don't know if he's got the tank either for that up and down running that that half forward flank. Yeah, it's, um, it's, but yeah, it,
0: you're right it, though. That's
2: what I thought in the first quarter. He looked. Like he was taking good options, but he he seems to have really improved his ability to I don't know how to describe it like time his way cuts through packs and things.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, One of the interesting things, um, you know, and this isn't voyeurism. You look at him all of a sudden, his thighs meet. Yeah, you know, he's put on a lot of muscle around from the waist down you know that enables him to push through to where it's probably before he got caught he's now much more powerful um than what he used to be so yeah it was amazing to see him in the wet just side through the middle of packs it was, it was quite remarkable others who played well chandler was was very good um put in a more than adequate performance uh on the field um Hunt uh, was good in the back line doing what he needed to do. Um, even kicked a goal. Because I think he kicked it about ninety meters because it skidded the last thirty in the last in the in the final quarter. But yeah, goals a goal. Um, Laurie um, really sealed the game in the end with a, with a, a nice goal to put him. But Jacob Van Royen was just superb, just absolutely. He's been playing as backup ruck because Bell yeah, was backup. Yeah. Up. Um, he took six marks for the game, all of which were contested in absolutely abysmal conditions. Other people weren't marking. This guy's ready to go now. You know, bring him in. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Andy said it. Um, bring him in. Yeah, he's he's ready to go. We need another tall up there. He can't do any worse than the other options yeah, we've exactly. been pursuing.
2: Um, uh, bring him in up, then play his first game of footy up. At the Alice, not at the G uh, the following week. That's or? better oh, that right. Better than yeah.
0: playing yeah. him uh, Queen's birthday.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. so that up. worked um, out. Yeah. Look, Port play. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about Port <laughs> later, but um, this is the opportunity. We can't go into another game like we saw no. in this game where we've got three tools from the opposition taking us apart. We need another tool up there, and we don't need to be using one of the mids to achieve that. Yeah. So, um, he he put in a. He's kicked twenty two goals for the season, and he, he just takes marks uh, where others don't. It's just remarkable. He's been doing backup ruck. He's obviously built his tank and his strength. Um, the other the other concern, you know, we're moving into there, who comes in next week is uh, T Mac's been now uh, quoted as seven to nine weeks. Well, he's off his legs as well. That's the important thing. Will he have the fitness yeah, going that's... into the finals? I doubt that we'll see T Mac back in any for any way, shape, or form. Um, and now's the time that you know if you're going to give an opportunity to someone, now's the time to do it. Um, the query on Van Ruin coming in though is
2: that he's not a genuine. He's not at all like um, uh, T Mac, or you know, he's like a more of a Reewald height, um, Jack yeah, Reewald height, yeah. and that's that two tools is actually two genuine tools. It's not about having an extra forward.
1: The trouble trouble is we've got no one else. Well, Weed, how did (laughs) Weed play? Uh, I'm too biased to to comment. I don't think he did enough during the game uh, compared to Van Royen. Uh, Weed takes a mark, a chess mark, uncontested, kicks goals. People see, see the numbers of a goal. You don't see Weed doing taking six contested marks in the mm. in the in the wet like Van Rooyen's been doing. Um, I, I guess the, did, on the but, uh,
2: positive side of the ledger for that is, I mean, yeah. it is he's not quite big enough. So in a way, he f- he's like the fritch of that forward, like that's mm. the more natural one. But because he competes so strongly, he plays taller than he probably is. So you could probably get away with him, you know flying for marks to bring it to ground still, but um, because that's what that extra tool is, is to block and screen and to create, to provide the um, space. Maybe Brown could be the blocker and screener for him. Um, And he, you know, but, We've been saying it all season, and he's as we've said, he's a natural footballer. Um, and he, he's not just uh, all of the things, the skills that you talked about, George. I really like the way he looks to. You can see it. He looks to impose himself on the game of footy. He, he wants to be the player who changes the the direction of the game. And um, you yeah. know, you what? I, I even at senior level, if he was to come in. You probably he's the sort of player who you'd want to stick someone on and go with him because, you know, he will look to, to, to get out the front of contests. And um, I still think, you know, he's probably a, a few weeks away, to be honest, and I wonder whether closer to the finals. But, you know, who knows? That'll be yeah. interesting this week, won't it, to see yep. whether yeah. you reckon Weed would, would have to suck up a fairly big sort of hit to the ego if Van Ruin gets selected ahead of mm. him.
0: Well, Mitch Brown yeah. got selected ahead of him. Didn't he? That's yeah. got to be a pretty. Well, that's big happened
1: head. before for Wade. So. <laughs> the the other mentions in the, in the game, Dunstan, I think, got twenty nine possessions. Dunstan, uh, the, the conditions absolutely suited Dunstan. He's an in and under. Um, he's he's a pretty ordinary kick, but um, the kicks that he do he does uh, are basically out of a pack. Yeah, you know? so he, he gets the ball moving. Um, so he's he might be another possibility. Um, For coming in this week as well, Um, you'd think he's the logical one to come in for Oliver. Yeah, he's yeah he's he's just that level above. Um, So yeah, he's he's a real strong possibility as well. Was yeah, all I think we had. Yeah, maybe you bring
2: him in for Oliver. Although I reckon Oliver will get up. I think he will. uh, he's the sort of bloke who'll just go, oh, you know. I'm, well, he's, he's broken.
0: Ass, he's mate. broken. Yeah. He's broken his thumb. He's had a nine-day. He's going to have a nine-day break. Pardon the pun, but uh, it's from surgery. It's probably only six, uh, seven, maybe eight. When would he have had surgery on Monday? They or had on it on Sunday? Monday, I think. Yeah, yeah. so that's only seven days.
1: Not even seven days. I'd imagine. you know, we don't know what. We haven't got the X-rays in front of us. I'd imagine. Well, here Here we go. I can see them. They're blank. Um, I I suspect it's a hairline type fracture or something like that, and they might have put a plate in or Mm. or a wire or whatever they do. And the main concern will be the um, making sure the skin repairs.
0: Is it Um, his um, handballing uh, fist?
1: uh, Can always use um, one of them.
2: (laughs) 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 Um, Who was Matty's sub on Uh, Thursday? Hunt, I thought so. Yeah, yeah. And then he backed up on the Friday even play, obviously, on yep. the Thursday. Yep. I thought that was interesting. I, I wonder whether Laurie could be the one who comes in if they reckon he's close to being ready and sit him on the bench the way Bedford has and Sparrow before him and um, um, and uh, JJ as well. The best thing about that win, um, the Casey win, is that it was some big legends or night for the Cats, so they were having a big dinner Um uh, and watching the game, presumably, so that that, that added extra joy to the um, victory.
0: I'm sure they would have been devastated <laughs> <laughs> had to drown their sorrows. <laughs> about the twos. Yeah. Uh, uh, Terence in the chat room says perhaps he's a bit gun-shy, but can we at least get uh, JVR, that's Jacob Van Royen, signed for a significant period before we roll him out and have West Coast and Fremantle angling to get him too. Uh, yeah. I forgot he's a Western Australian boy, so you don't want him uh, kicking a bag of goals.
2: Keep him on ice <laughs> until the next contract, <laughs> maybe. Yep. Yep.
0: <laughs> um, all right, let's uh, go into opposition watch. Um, since the D's uh, dismantled the power in round four in Adelaide, both teams have won eight games and lost four, yet the D's sit second and Port sit 12th place with a sliver of hope that they can still make the finals despite losing their first five matches of the season. Last round, Port Adelaide easily brushed aside the Giants by 55 points while keeping their opposition to just three goals. The week before, they took it right up to third place. Frio only going down to the Dockers by eight points in Perth. Uh, this will not be an easy match for the D's, having to face the power on neutral turf in Alice Springs, a venue where Port may have the crowd advantage. Uh, B man, uh, and George, you can jump in too because you've watched, uh, you've observed power in recent weeks. And what can we expect from our opposition this week?
2: Uh, d- d- uh, I thought George was going to do it. Oh, the, George, um, you could do oh, it. I, I wasn't I sure. I, <laughs> I couldn't run, remember who did it. I do, of course, have opinions <laughs> on the matter.
1: But <laughs> I've got. Uh... Um, <laughs> look, dude, I, I watched the Port versus GWS game, and the first thing that came to mind for me, unfortunately, it was very similar to the Geelong North game that I watched the previous week. It was almost bruise free from, yeah, from both sides. From both sides, I was really surprised the Giants didn't bring it though. Yeah, they they didn't bring it, and Port didn't bring it. They didn't need to. Um, they were both playing off each other so much; it was just incredible. There were um, there were twelve free kicks to each side for the whole game. It was <laughs> there was no need because they weren't tackling and they weren't dropping the ball and things like that. It was just incredible. Um, Port completely. Over- were allowed to overrun them they had 35 inside 50s before half time they had 67 to 37 at at full time it was a complete rout. there was they didn't stop
2: them bouncing off the halfback flank and that's how they that's how they score it and move it is like the dogs off the
1: halfback flank and It, it was just incredible to watch um the main things um, that I noted, and we have to do something about this, and this is another reason why we need to bring in this extra tall. earlier earlier had 11 intercepts. Now, he just stood there all night taking the ball out of the air and rebound, rebounding and rebounding. The ruck situation, um, <clears throat> uh, the, uh, Giants had Finnlayson as a ruck, who's never played basically a ruck, and uh, uh, port Portneau has port, Finlayson. Port, uh, uh, Sorry, Port uh, Finlayson's for plays for Port now. Don't oh yeah, sorry, yeah. Uh, Finlayson and, and um, Dixon were their Were their two rucks? Right. Um, uh, uh, who, who is it? A um, normal ruck is he played in the Sandfall this week. Uh, Lysette. set uh, may well come back into the ruck, but Port were running a um, you know a second second rate ruck um, for the whole game. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, uh, how they come up against us, but more importantly, we need we need someone to stop Aleya. Uh, they've got Burton as their other big interceptor down the back, so it's uh, pretty similar to what we the method we use. Uh, Clury and Jonas came back into the side this week back from injuries, so they're sort of um, uh, getting back their best players. Um, but Port were just allowed to chip and kick all around the ground. It was, there was very, once again, for us, very little um, to take away from it because they just, there was just nothing there. Rosie had, <laughs> Rosie had on his own had scored more than the Giants in the first half. You know, it was just, just an incredible sort of um, one-way street traffic. So um, the Port fans were all up and all very excited about it all, but um, there really wasn't much to um, take away from what I thought. Um, it's really hard to judge when when there was so little from the opposition.
2: It's definitely a danger game, even if there wasn't a curse on the club at the moment, <laughs> albeit a relatively time limited curse. Because when they're up and about, like they can get on their bike and score quickly. I, you know, we talked about this at the round four game. Our defensive system. Sets up super well against their the way mm-hmm. they structure up with the way they have really marshaled. You know, they, it's almost like an old school forward setup, yeah, but you know, nothing exact, like the way right. it compared to the cats do it. Like, as you know, as you pointed out, Cameron didn't spend any time in the forward line, he's there, he's the what's second on the Coleman, mm-hmm. um, yeah, thing. Oh, but the Marshall and um, Georgie Artis and um, the uh, what's his uh, the what's the Rosie? Don't know, it's um. Dixon, he's he's playing a bit higher it seems this year because Marshall's got that sort of truthful four, but still yeah. they're a they're a kick to the marking contest yep. type forward line, um, which is
0: fine suits, I guess. Suits but that it's, suits our defenders, yeah.
2: Yeah, exactly. So the because without I mean we're similar with the um, the how they use Aliyah is that we zone off so well that it makes it really hard for a team that relies on their marking forwards which is why part of, again going back to Geelong why they were really clever because they've engineered a really strong forward line that isn't depending on their ability to market inside 50 um, like with Cameron he gets a lot of his goals running back inside 50 as opposed to leading out from the goal square which is what Dixon does and Marshall does and um, and then you've got to player like Rosie um, I'm not sure if Robbie Gray's receipt, did he play on the weekend?
1: He did, yeah, he but did. Uh, did, very, did very little. Look, he's on his last legs and he's yeah. very likely to pull a hamstring at some stage. But I worry about Rosa, Rosie because he's the sort of player that he, he looked in good
2: nick, um, yeah. albeit without much pressure, but he's a skilled player and he's that that player that we do struggle with, that sort of small forward. Um, I mean, a lot will depend obviously on, you know, how up and about we are and how energised we are, but it's a a danger game. And I mean, the next two games are very similar teams, I reckon, in terms of the way they play their footy. uh, Port aren't as much of a handball um, chain up as the dogs, but they both teams like to run hard off the half-back flank and transition quickly and get it inside 50 mm. quickly um, and try to, ice you know, create one-on-ones with those talls up there. Um, so, you know, we, we matched up on really well on, on Port under Goody um, and this equivalent game actually was the last week's game actually um, and you might remember we came out and blitzed them in the first half and then put the sort of queue in the rack and parked the bus for the second half and, um, you know... I, it, We'll know within ten minutes where what sort of sort of preparation we've had for it. It's a beautiful ground, I hope the weather's it's um, in, you know good and all of those things. Because in the crowd, I, I'm guessing it will sell out to pretty small crowd. There's a few regular Demonland posters up that way, live up that way, so hopefully they'll be able to get there and give us a good match report. So. Uh, you know, I, I personally think the AFL have dropped the ball a bit on this because that year we played Adelaide where they had the whole heart of the country mm. thing. That's what they should really look to do that and invest some money into um, Northern Territory and Alice Springs.
0: Well, they did that. That was uh, pre-COVID and then I think there were plans for the to do that. The COVID year didn't happen and uh, I guess <laughs> they don't want to waste their money at the moment. They're uh, keeping all their pennies.
1: Yeah, I think they're also um, slowly moving us out of that area.
0: Yeah, uh, I don't think and, we'll uh, giving renew.
1: giving it to the Suns.
0: I don't think we'll renew the the contract now that we... The Northern Territory. Yeah, yeah, like it makes sense feet. for the
1: Suns
2: to play there like the.
0: Yeah, um, I don't think we need to anymore, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah, um, anything else uh, about the power? No? Um,
2: just that if... That would be a remarkable effort if they end up making the finals, which they're probably not likely to now. But after going five zip five, that you know they've turned their season around pretty effectively, haven't they? So Mm. um, you know, all power to power, but yeah, it'll be um, uh, it's an important game really for both clubs because if they lose it, they're definitely out of the. They've got they've got
0: they've got uh, Melbourne Geelong in the next two two weeks. Um, Then North, it looks like North, or is that Collingwood? Tell Need, it could be Collingwood Collingwood Richmond descendant, so they got so, they got a tough uh,
2: yeah they got a tough uh, all I hope is we we win and win well enough for Andy to just relax a little bit <laughs> well, I won't be group.
0: relaxed because it's the next few <laughs> no. weeks it's all oh, there's no more relaxing for me we don't have a west coast uh, at the G or a North Melbourne um to come, like I think don't don't Geelong still play. I think Geelong still played the Eagle. Oh, no, they don't. Yeah. Steel's um,
2: sharpened steel, Andy.
0: Mm, yep. All right. Uh, anything else? Anything else happened to uh, the Demons this week uh, before we wrap wrap things up? Uh, no
2: controversy. There was nothing in the news about us. No salacious emails or quotes, or there was no dining experience. I did read on Demon Land that, you know, that's. Um, there were no sightings, so it didn't. I, there was an absence of sightings, so um, of players out and about. So, you know, um, hopefully, their head down, bum up.
0: Well, someone said they saw. Didn't someone say they saw um, Stephen May at Grilled? Uh, he's really taken. <laughs> uh, he's gone down the uh, <laughs> down the class, the route from uh, Contracott to to Grilled. Uh, no but, offense to Grilled. <laughs> Uh, that was the other one of
2: the sledges. Someone yelled out. It was like he was right in front of me, and I just like, come on, buddy, that's just shocking. He yelled out to Steve May, "Go back to Entrecote, Mister Entre." It's like, come <laughs> on, buddy. He couldn't even pronounce it properly. Uh, bloody Geelong no. Um.
0: All right. Well, let's uh, let's leave it there. Thank you, uh, George. Thank you, Bin Man. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week, same time, same channel. Let's go, go demons. Go,
2: D's. Go, Redlegs.